Daily DVR Dives into Mindhunter is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Look good when you step out in the morning. Elevate your style. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today and save 20% on your order. No minimum. Use code DVR20. That's all you got to do. Use code DVR20 today and save 20% off your order. If you've got an event coming up, if you've got... If you just want to look good, go to cufflinks.com and they'll help you out. They've even got a blog over there that details how to get prepared for these big events and order everything for everyone. You know, that can be a hassle. Let cufflinks.com help you do that. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back, folks, to Daily DVR Does Mindhunter. I'm your host, Heath Solo. Axel Foley will be with me in just a bit. Uh, today we're talking episode three of season two of Mindhunter, directed by David Fincher. And remember, you can go to DVRpodcast.com to check everything out that we do here. A lot of pods, a lot of good stuff. And if you're listening to this and be like, man, I want all that exclusive content since you guys do a podcast every day. And you can. You can become a patron at DVR. At, <laughs> I always mess this up. Patreon.com slash DVR. There you go. Uh, where you can become a patron for as little as a couple bucks a month. We do tons of stuff. Uh, we have backlogs of Watchmen and Game of Thrones, and we do film lists. We do Oscar coverage. We do a ton of great stuff, and we got the old vaults because me and Axel have been podcasting for 10 years, and we got some great stuff that we throw on the feed, and it's just old Lost podcasts, movie podcasts, all kinds of stuff. You get Thack Daddy experience, everything you want. Become a patron at patreon.com slash DVR. And if you get a chance, it would be really helpful. You know, leave us an iTunes review, uh, especially for the Mindhunter podcast, because we get more hits, more visibility, and we get out there. So, yeah, just rate, rate our pod. Leave us a little review. It can be even three words, like hi, Axel, even though that's two words. But do what you got to do. All right, enough of me babbling on. Episode 3, Season 2 of Mindhunter, and here he is, folks. The man, the myth, the road school scholar, Axel Foley. Hello, Axel. How you doing, partner? I'm doing all right. All right, man. We're ready to hunt them mines. This is some episode, dude. This is really kicking this season kind of into gear. And um, after a first couple episodes where I feel like we're kind of settling into something new, right? Shepard left. They're, they're kind of they're headed in a new direction with more confidence. And uh, now this episode kind of sets the tone for the season. And we guess just get uh, – there's a lot that happened in this, a lot of different things going on and really are – kind of main leads our three main leads aren't really together we're seeing them do things kind of on their own and i found that to be interesting yeah it's kind of like doing this pod axel sometimes i feel like i'm just on my own wait what (laughs) no just kidding no you're right because going into the season i heard okay this is going to be about the atlanta child murders which Mm -hmm. i'm pretty versed in uh and then after the first two episodes, I'm like, when is this happening? And then all of a sudden, oh, this episode, it kind of 
gets us going in that direction, but you don't quite know it yet. Yeah. Until uh, you know, uh, Holden goes on his surprise. Uh, what he thinks is a date <laughs> turns into an ambush of sorts, but in a good way. But yeah, so but I like that that we got the season started as we said, we got reacquainted with our characters. There were some shifts of power and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, then you get into it in episode three. I love that versus not just picking up with okay, here we are in Atlanta. There, there's some continuity here because you know, like we said, it's only been like a week since last season when we started uh, season two. So, um, yeah, it just you know, it's funny too, Axel. Before we, we we'll get into the interviews uh, that they conduct, but I remember watching it for the first time, being not as into the interviews because I was like, "Come on, get to the Atlanta, you know, murders. I want to get to this case." But this time around. I actually enjoyed the interview so much more. I was honestly prepared to say, yeah, I don't know about this episode. You know, it kind of drags for me. But it, it did not at all. It was just like a whole new, oh, my God, this interview. I forgot about this. And I understood the interviews more, and it made sense why they had him here dealing with what we're about to attack. Yeah, I, found, I, I tried to um, – I had a similar – uh, feeling going in because I do remember that I loved the first two episodes and then I felt like the third episode was a bit muddled. But now in retrospect and having so analyzed the first two episodes, I really enjoyed this a lot more. I mean, this always happens with this show. Every time we rewatch it, we like it more. And I guess it partly was because of the kind of ruse element of the date with Holden. You know, like, you know it's not a date. You know, when you're watching it again, you know that it's not a date. And when I first watched it, I thought it was. So I, yeah. so that kind of anticipation is totally evaporated and it leaves it a little flat. But I was able more so to concentrate um, on the kind of interaction and the way Holden was reacting to everyone. And it really gave it a different kind of uh, feeling to me. It just, man, I, I got to you know, I mean, Jonathan Groff, the way he watches people when they're speaking dialogue to him, he's such an active listener. Yes. You know, he really, you see his eyes move from a person's lips to their eyes, to their hands, to, he's just really invites you in to do the same. He's such a great actor. And so that's what I was concentrating on this time. And it really just blew me away. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point because there's as little subtleties you pick on with rewatching, especially, um, just his the way he reacts to people, like you said, the way he listens, and he has this. He almost reminds me. You remember, <laughs> remember the movie where Brad Pitt meet Joe Black? Yeah, he kind of reminds me of that character a little bit, uh, because in Meet Joe Black, like honestly, like you say, I'm, there's a few really key points in that film where people will use a slang term. Like, uh, like sleep over your house or like, Hey, throw that shit in the fireplace or something. Or I don't know. I, I can't remember the exact, but then he takes it literally. 
Because there's this one point where actually Brad Pitt's character looks into the fireplace, and I forget what the line is. But it reminds me of Jonathan Groff's of Holden because he really is in tune and he takes in every word. And sometimes he's confused, sometimes, you know. So that's a great observation, Axel. I like that. So let's uh, let's kick it off. Uh, we got a quick open with BTK. And one thing I noticed, they didn't put Park City or anything up. They're just chilling in the library. He's doodling away. <laughs> And uh, the library's about to close. He almost gets caught. He doesn't want the librarian or librarian worker or person who works at the library to see what he's drawing. And he's very nice and cordial when he takes his headphones off. And he packs up. But we notice that the, he's tracing a drawing. Uh, I, now, I don't know. I didn't know if you know. Is it a picture he took or is it just something from a magazine? What? What is your... I guess that's the key focus of this um, opening scene. Yeah, I thought it was just kind of um, a, a picture from a magazine mixed with some type of painting or something. Uh, maybe it was a painting in a book that he was trying to do. And I think, to me, that scene kind of spoke to what we get to later with Tench. Um, kind of the banality of evil like he's like just in the library you know and in the same way that a young kid might be sneaking like a porno mag in a book in a library right 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 he's sneaking he that is kind of what he's doing and but what he's doing is he's changing that drawing so he can add the btk elements the binding elements to it that turn him on and that he's so interested in and uh, that's why I thought it was a nice little touch. You're right. It was very subtle. And when it opened just kind of with – and Fincher, what great directing and especially great editing in this episode where the, we just start with the guy walking. We don't know where we are, right? And we assume yeah. – and I think that's on purpose to kind of give us that feeling. And I also feel like the the way – the manner in which he's etching that is a uh, parallel to the when Tench, not too much later in the episode, sees the outline of the baby in the in the crucifixion pose in the garage. Mm -hmm. It's like a parallel. That's almost the same kind of thing. And then that made me think of a metaphor of like what lies beneath the suburban life, the regular life that we all think we have. And what lies beneath is, for both of these men is serial killing, you know, and murder and horrific shit. So I kind of really was into this opening in a way, again, a way I wasn't before when it just kind of washed over me. Oh, they're still doing BTK. But then this time yeah. I was able to make that correlation. And there's so much of that with tension, what goes on in this episode, like the chickens are coming home to roost. Yeah, and, and, and it just goes to show you, and I think this is what I got from what Fincher was trying to convey here a little bit, like how you mentioned how, you know, like most people, they're going to sneak in some porn or maybe they're, you know, at this time, you know, I don't know, doodling or whatever, and we're just, it, it just shows you like, okay, 
normal people come in, maybe they're drawing their favorite sports player or just doodling, I love Karen or Karen loves me forever or whatever. <laughs> Karen. But, Karen, yeah. But he's in a set, a public setting, headphones on. He's doodling whether, I don't know if he committed the murder yet in this timeline or it's after, but it's like there's a serial killer among us in a library acting normal. Yeah. And we have no clue that it's yep. going on. You know, it's just we think it's some normal dude. And even when he when he takes those headphones off, you go, oh, sorry. Yeah. Like, he, you would think a serial killer would most likely be like, give him a dirty look. Yeah. Or be like, hey, don't bother point. me. Yep. You know, he's just like, yeah, all right, sorry, I'll, I'll leave. Yeah, he's so. kind of disarming, right? Like, you've, I found that to, that's interesting because we've seen this guy playing BTK now. I I wonder if you add up all the scenes, it's probably a good twenty minutes or so that mm-hmm. uh, we've seen so far of this, and that was like the most. That was a very human. We're getting more human sides this season, like when his wife finds him in that humiliating position, and then she throws the books down at him, and he's on the couch, and now he's like hiding in the library, you know. But it's kind of like it. If we follow that line, he's kind of coming back to it. Like maybe his wife found him. She gave him the books. He tried to push it down. But now he finds himself going to somewhere else outside of his house to get away from his wife so she can't see it. Yeah. And he's like, it's his obsession must continue. That's a great point. I like that. I like that, Axel. Not not the drawing. I like your... Okay. Anyway, uh, you're supposed to giggle there for me. I was giggling. I was giggling. Too. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad you giggled. All right. So, uh, the, okay. The next segment. So, I want to kind of keep some of these storylines together because I think it's uh, a better way to talk about them. So, I want to concentrate with uh, Bill calling in sick and staying at home and dealing with this murder uh, that happened. So, uh, Billy Tench wakes up. He's not in his blue shirt. It's okay. But he finds out there's no Nance in the bed. Brian's sleeping alone. Nance Nance gets up extra early. She's kind of gazing out. And and Bill does his nice... Hey, hey, Nance, why are you up so early? What's going on? Uh, So basically, in a nutshell, uh, Bill's not going to Atlanta, so Holden goes by himself. Uh, Brian pees his pants, and he's sorry... Uh, Bill stays home and Nance is very happy that Bill's going to be around for this day to help. Uh, and then of course we get him bring, you know, bringing the shoes over to the crime scene and, uh, taking down Nance's number and, uh, going to see the crime scene and dealing with, and then we have like a town meeting. So, uh, where do you want to begin with this? Uh, I personally, didn't expect Bill to get a tour of the crime scene and get to see what happens, but it's just the way Bill goes over to see uh, Spencer and he just, you know, how he takes off the sign. Like, he's like, oh, I'll get someone to take the sign down for you. And he goes, I, I just got it. it. It's done, you know, at Nance's request. And I thought that was smooth. And it felt like, Axel, it felt like an old road school 
where he did his thing and he's there and he's just waiting for them to say, hey, can I can I borrow you for a little bit? And that same kind of thing happened, like what happens with a few of the uh, officers and detectives in, you know, when they do road school and then they get co- pulled in to get, con- they need consultation from Bill. And so, but it gets even like, boom, we see the crime scene and everything. What, what did you, what was your feeling and take on all this uh, leading up to it? Um, yeah, like I was saying before, the the chickens are coming home to roost. Remember last season we had that breakdown that Bill had. This is what I have to deal with, Nance. You know, look at these pictures. And, you know, when he left the pictures out and Brian found him and then the uh, babysitter quit. And, you know, and then earlier this season he was talking about it during the barbecue. And that's that same guy that's at the uh, town meeting in the church that stands Mm -hmm. up and starts talking and it's, you know, here we had a man who was trying so hard to kind of separate what work from home. And that was causing him to kind of be worse at both of them. And then he was trying to find this happy medium and the way and the way it's kind of forced upon him, even with like taking the day off, which he wouldn't do last year, you know, is I can't do that. I have to, I have to do my work. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now he's like, no, I'm doing it. You know, this is what's happening. I'm not, you know, when he lies, I've I caught something really bad. You know, and Holden, I love the way Holden he says, I can't come <laughs> in, and Holden goes, why? <laughs> you know, yeah. like everybody hates that. Like if you're calling out of work. The proper way to be a manager or a coworker is just to go, okay, f- see you tomorrow. You don't ask, you know what I mean? Yep. Like you kind of give people their privacy. Um, and I love the way Holden just kind of like pushes right in. But that's the overall thing I got is like this is kind of about Tench coming to grips with that you can't separate that the work from your life. It's all one, you know, you you can't kind of like leave it at work. That's never really possible, especially with a job that affects you so emotionally, but also that their job is unfortunately all around them. And, uh, yeah. I, I like what you said about how I didn't expect him to walk right in mean, mean either. And in a sense, maybe that wasn't such a, like that wasn't such a by the book thing to do. I mean, he's helping, but he's not a f- really on the case, you know. So it's- no, feds haven't been called in. Yeah, uh, but he, he's. It's funny because he's just he's kind of doing it as oh, it's the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and at the same time, but you, you know, and I was trying to figure out too. Did he want to get called in? Um, I mean, he he's the perfect guy, of course, to be around because of his experience and the way he handles himself and the way he can analyze things. But it, it's like, I think to maybe put Nance at ease, he gets involved a little more because she's a wreck. Yeah, and she, you know, she's never. I mean, and plus we find out the back door was open. There was no keys in the lockbox. So what we talked about last episode: Did she leave the door open? Yeah, um, like, you know, and and that, and that that oh man, and so I I I don't know if she'll if if she comes to grips with that or if they even touch upon that, 
But I, you know, and I don't think Bill doesn't mention. Did, did he? Oh, he did mention it to her, didn't he? Uh, he he let her know that the, he let her know that the back door was open. Yeah, and yeah. that was why yeah. she was. I think that's where her initial consternation and why she was up late sitting at the table is because she is so not not just worried that this is you know her first house listing and there's a freaking yeah. dead body, and then when he comes back and tells her that it is this baby and this family and she knows them. And then she feels like it's her fault in some way. It's really, you know, it's challenging because what tension Holden have to listen to, they have to let it wash over them and not get emotional about it. But this is his wife, you know, and now it's just this little tiny detail. You know what I mean? Like, and he always says, our job is about details. So Mm -hmm. he has that ability to kind of, like, you know, uh, it's all in the details, yeah, Freckles. like zoom down into it. And gosh, you, you know that that's the kind of thing. It is that little thing. Did I leave the door open? If I hadn't left the door open, this, maybe this whole thing wouldn't have happened. You know, that really mm. kind of is, is like agonizing to her. And she's what a great actress. You really feel it. She really her. is. Oh my God. And, and you know what? And I, I don't know how to say this. The way they have her hair, you're almost like, I don't know if they're trying to age her up or whatever, but if you really look at the details of her expression, she's a really beautiful female. Yeah, she. Like, yeah, she's they, just, you're right. They give her that kind of If I was an artist, I'd want to paint her. Yeah. I'd want to paint. Like, she really is. And it's like, I almost think I'm like, oh, they're kind of making her look like a, I don't know, a 70s stressed out housewife. But she, I mean... She almost has like superhero <laughs> qualities. To yeah, her. her name is Stacy Roca. Okay, Stacy Check out Roca. some other stuff she's yeah. done. I like her. I like her. She's a damn good actress too. Um, but you know, and, and then what's thrown in here, Axel, is the fact that Brian wakes up and pees himself, and it just goes to show, no matter how you try to hide things are going on, serious things are going on, whether mom's acting a a certain way or dad's acting a a different way, and you think, okay, the kid's not hearing anything. But in in a small home like that, I mean, how does does not a kid feel the tension that's going on in the home? And and it just goes to – it also – and how it affects him. And all he wants – the poor kid only wants to do is say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry – and it's just like, you know, the whole family's affected. Yeah. And it, it was just, oh, that was a tough one. Um, and it's so tough for me, and especially for you, Axel, I'm sure. We're very, uh, you know, we're sensitive. We, we care. And, like, if that was my son, you know, with everything going on, I know I wouldn't yell at him. I'd, I'd want to go and talk to him and, you know, and help him out. But it's like, you know, unfortunately with Bill and his son, they just don't have that connection. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Nance has to take care of it. And it's just, ah, it just, it broke my heart a little bit because the poor kid's probably so stressed out and he doesn't really, may not know what's going on. And, but he feels, you, kids feel the tension around the home and it affects them more than you think. So that one, that one hit me a little bit as well. Yeah, this this I mean, this whole series of scenes, 
the little guy and he's about my son's age. Uh, and you know, we had that earlier too, where, I mean, that's how we started off the season, them coming out of church and he's like, he's going to go play with the big boys, you know? Uh, and then here he's <laughs> pee in his bed and Bill is continuing to be the super masculine walk right into the crime scene take the sign like you were talking about, which was kind of slick for him. You know, he just kind of takes, he oh, got it already. I love that. Look, great. done. It's all done. Don't worry about it. I yeah. took care of it. Um, that was something else. And then when the walk, the thing I, um, it's funny that in my memory, this scene was a lot longer than it actually was. And I yeah, guess it's right. just because it's so horrifying of what happened. And when you find out the details and we still don't know the circumstances of what occurred, um, the idea is brought up so quickly that it could be some kind of satanic ritual or something like that. And Bill shoots that down right away. And it's interesting the way he shoots it down is because he says – there's not enough details here. There's, you know, that if this was like mm -hmm. a satanic ritual, there would be other stuff. Like maybe there would be candles or more like accoutrement, like that kind of sets the whole scene. And this place would have more of a ceremonial or sacrificial yeah. feeling to it. And like blood on the wall or something. Yeah, with a right. Message or, and I you know, something. Yeah, I found that to be so interesting that that was why he rules it out immediately. And then later, when they're at the church, which, my, man, that is shot so well in the sound department on this one. I have, um, I just recently got a Roku, one of those little Roku boxes. And mm -hmm. you can use the app on your phone and listen to it on headphones, just oh, through nice. the headphones of your phone. And uh, I watched this episode like that, and I was really paying a lot of attention to the sound design. And in that church is just, man, the sound design is really amazing. You just really feel like you're there. But he shoots down that again, like they're really worried. And it kind of gets into that whole like late 70s, this is 1980 about, right? Like early 80s, mm -hmm. satanic, you know, there's satanic rituals and mance and all that kind of stuff. And Bill just is like, no, that's not what's going on here. It's like he kind of already has a little bit of a bead on – it's weird that it's such an unnerving situation, but he seems so solid right now. Like he kind of knows what's going on already. He feels, okay, this feels like our other cases yeah, and and what's great about that? Is it's like, he, I mean, he was already uh, at a good point, but through what we've seen in this story, just the fact that he can he can deduce that right away. I mean, we we believe he's right. We don't know for sure, but with his experience and and with his instinct and what he's learned and with working with Holden and Wendy, like yeah, he you know. That community, thank God they had someone there like him, or else 
they would probably go after like the first person who had a Metallica shirt and who had yeah. makeup on or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, it could be another like Robin Paradise Hood. Lost. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, dude. And um, the actor who plays um, the uh, who is the main detective on this yes. case. Um, I'm looking for his name right now. I can't. Oh, uh, Nate, Nate Caudry, Detective Art Spencer, yeah. right? I've met him a few times. I think I said it last pod, but. Yes, um, he is. Cool dude. Yeah, and he plays this really well, too. I mean, just again, you can always, this, the casting on this show is always spot on. Uh, and the way he yeah. lets Bill kind of take over, you know, and especially during yeah. the town meeting, which is a good move on his part. And then Bill says, he has all my confidence. You know, it's yep, like yep. that classic kind of like the dads in the neighborhood kind of thing. You know, like, okay, well, if Bill said it, Martha, I, you know, <laughs> you know, meanwhile. And even down to where the main guy to the right or to, yeah, to the right, if you're in Bill's perspective, the one guy that's asking him a lot of questions at the cookout mm-hmm. uh, in the first episode like it's kind of cool that it's him cuz like oh we know this guy. Yep. Okay, you know, we we've been introduced to him. But also actually, do you notice too that the first guy who speaks, they really keep him out of focus in the town hall meeting. I think and, and they yes. focus more Yep. Did you notice that? What and I'm wonder I want to ask you why that is, you think? Cuz from an actor's perspective I think, "Oh man, I got three lines and you can't even see me." <laughs> but I know there's a reason why Fincher probably did that. And uh, you're my only hope to for a best guess. I think it's a um I think it's a ruse. I think it's a red herring. I think that they're I think that part of that meeting is I mean, think about the traditional they like they mention they've mentioned in this show too how they how um the criminals would either be around law enforcement or um seek out public situations or contact mm-hmm. law enforcement like we had with son of sam so i think you're supposed to think that that guy is maybe the guy who did it oh that's what I thought when I was first watching it, yeah. You're right? Because when they show, and then he later stands up and they still kind of only show him from the back, you yeah. know, and then he gets like one, I think mid shot, but they do obscure a little bit. And so I think you're supposed, you know, I think it also just adds a feeling of um, displacement. Like, you know, the one guy, but you don't know the other guy. And that's not the other guy that, because there were really two guys Bill was talking to while he was grilling. No, I don't um, think so. I don't think that, we've ever seen yeah, that guy before because he was okay, younger. Yeah. Take a little break to remind you of our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. You know, sometimes I just go over to Cufflinks.com. I look at their awesome products and I say to myself, how lucky I am to have this amazing sponsor. They've got the coolest stuff over there. Man, I just got, you know what they sent me and I'm going to be giving these away. Some popcorn cufflinks. Listen to all our podcasts at DVRpodcast.com to find out how, but they've got awesome stuff over there. So go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20. They've got socks, ties, cufflinks, 
money clips, tie clips, so much cool stuff, uh, even like pocket squares, just any way to kind of make you look good. Those little touches always help. Don't forget the little details, baby, because cufflinks.com's got them for you. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. You know, the storyline at Bill at Home with Nance and the murder, just another thing to add. And it's like, whoa. But, you know, you think, oh, my God, this is so much going on. But it it feels so so realistic. And it really correlates with what is going on uh, at work and what they're dealing with. And it, it just works very well. So, all right. You want to, uh, actually, you want to head over to Atlanta? Let's do it, baby. All right. So Holden is solo in Atlanta. He's got have two interviews with two killers, Pierce, or as he's known as Junior, and then, uh, <coughs> excuse me, woo. And Hans, right? Mm-hmm. Nance's cousin, Hans. Oh, no, just kidding. Uh, so there's going to be two interviews, and then, of course, we have what we think is a date slash surprise. So uh, what do you want to tackle first, or do you want to tackle them all together? Um, yeah, let's do I mean, we could start out just with the reintroduction of uh, Jim Barney. Oh, boy, Jim. Yeah. I love that dude. And it's funny because uh, whole, uh, Bill was going to meet him for breakfast and kind of update him on what's going on at the crime, uh, the behavioral unit. Uh, and when he's on the phone with Bill Holden, Bill uh, Holden doesn't remember Jim right away. <laughs> like he has to explain, oh, yeah, it's a guy you interviewed, you know, and, and Holden's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, but, no, uh, no, he says like, to him that he goes, oh, yeah, that black guy you like. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then Tench is kind of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm that's like, just, that's how that's Holden right. is. That's how he is. He's just so, out, he just throws it out there. But uh, Jim just, what a great character. And I hope he's, I'm sure he'll be around for the season, but he's just, he adds an element. I just wish he was part of our, our crew. I wish they would hire him. Yeah. He wants to work for him. Come on. Well, that was great. That's what I really loved. Um, and and I'm happy that the, the tension of Holden has dissipated a little bit. I mean, we, we have elements to discuss in the way he like handles himself in these interviews. And even Wendy later comments on his boredom, but there is, there's seems to be a little bit of a less of a tension between Holden and Tench. And I like the way that Holden really kind of immediately says to Jim, like, yeah, you know, Bill was in your corner and he just really wants to get Jim involved and he's just really open and I think really likes Jim right away. And also Mm -hmm. he mentions when Jim says, yeah, hey, how's Greg working out? You know, the guy they hired instead of him. (laughs) And then Holden's like, well, you know, it has its ups and downs, you know, but that's what – that's what uh, it gets you when you know you're hired because your uncle is right, like, and the they, old nepotism. Yeah, yeah, the right old nepotism, and then they both kind of laugh, 
And that's Holden's way of kind of saying to Jim right away. And uh, we as the audience can agree, damn, they should have hired you, Jim. <laughs> you know, like, we all feel that way. It's obvious. Um, did you, um, on the plane ride, did you catch the Easter egg Fincher put in for us? No. What was it? There's a shorter 70s Axel Foley. Oh, really? Sitting down in the airplane. <laughs> yes, he's right there. You'll you'll die. It's little Axel. Uh, little okay. little man Axel. That's funny because <laughs> I was when you said that, I was going to say, do you mean the the woman who sits down in the back of the plane just as we open because she's dressed in the exact same colors? As like the airplane, it was like could the clothing design. It just like draws your eye to the back and then makes you look oh. forward. And I thought that See, that's what I, you were talking about. Uh, yeah, when you put in uh, Axel Foley lookalikes, it, I, I, I don't <laughs> focus on that. I'll have to go I'm back. To. Maybe we got to find what shirt he has on. <laughs> I think he's in a suit, but he's like a mini Axel Foley in the seventies, but not like. A mini man, not <laughs> compared to you, not a little kid. All right, you, I'll you, check it out. I'll look that. back at that. Right. That was yeah. a great. I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned it because that was such a that was an interesting plain shot too because it was so well lit and colorful, and um, mm-hmm. I think it was bringing us into that idea of uh, coming into Atlanta that and and Jim says it a lot. And we and they say it throughout, you know, becomes a, a point of contention within this episode, especially with their meeting later with the detective when he's watching the KKK bar, um, how, you know, Atlanta's this is going to be the biggest airport. This is going to be a new city, right? This is the new south and kind of like something is uh, blossoming there. But then when he gets there. Again, it's like the underbelly. Mm-hmm. And, and Jim mentions how Atlanta is going to be the largest airport in yep. the world. Is it? Yeah. How is it ranked these days? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it. I think that is the nation's biggest hub. Ah, still is, huh? I believe so. Centrally located, right? And everything yeah, goes yeah. in and out of Atlanta. Hotlanta. So we go to Reedsville, where interview number one, I call him the old Eric Banna. He kind of looks like <laughs> Eric Banna, old Eric Banna. Uh, his last name's Pierce, but he's known as Junior. And uh, so Holden tries to go buy the book. Uh, it's not really working. Uh, um, of course, Junior denies that he did all murders. And I like the way Holden's like kind of you know, being sarcastic with them. And of course, Junior's big thing is he doesn't want to be conceived as stupid. He he can speak seven languages, seventh being English, of course. And he invents, uh, he's got these invention of words, Axel. And this time around, I caught a lot of this. He just does, you know, oh, that's Latin. It's like, yeah, okay, buddy. Uh, anyway, he's a clairvoyant. What What can you say? And like I said before, I, I don't remember being as – I wasn't as into the interview. I think I was more like Holden, like, oh, God, I just want to get through this and focus on something better. 
and you know, with knowing Atlanta child murders are going to be focused on, I was kind of this. I had that same feeling, and I I wonder if it's done on purpose almost uh, for the view. You know, for me anyway, I, I felt that like let's just get this over with. I want to move on to the good stuff. And you can tell, as Wendy says later on, that you, if it wasn't for Jim, we would have got nothing because mm-hmm. you know Holden just wanted to kind of just coast through it and get get it done. Um, but Jim really, uh, with his candy, noticing the junk food surrounding uh, Junior in his cell, he knew that would be a way to get him talk, and it sure did. Because uh, at first, even like. He's kind of doing that southern kind of like, what's this black man doing here? Is he just going to stare at me? Yeah. And then by giving him a gift, then he calls him brother, and he's more open. So I found that interesting how it, these guys, like the one guy that wants soda pop and red red apple soda, whatever it is, um, in a late uh, earlier episode, it's like you you got you know you can't get that candy in here. He says, and he's just putting it in his mouth, and it just. <laughs> And Holden's reaction, like, oh, my God. But uh, what what, what were some of your takes on the interview, Axel? Uh, I mean, it was all about Jim, you know. And really, Holden is so bored. And um, he he makes no bones about it. He kind of breezes past the initial questions that they're supposed to ask. And then he tries to get himself interested in. But then when Junior won't admit to the killing, to the sexual killings, right? Because that's embarrassing. But of course, then mm-hmm. he does it. Then he's like, what about the uh, what about the drugstore owner or the convenience store owner? Oh, yeah, I did them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I killed them. Because that's like, you know, I'm a big man with a gun. But the other ones that involve his his issues, right? And his sexual predilections – He doesn't want to really admit to those. And that's like we've seen these killers before. That clued me into, I remember, remember Wendy was talking about last season and earlier this season, how some people won't admit to them. They want to hide this and pretend. um, And it's really about their egos. But Jim, the actor, his name is Albert Jones, he just keeps on staring at him, and there's these those great shots of him just looking at him, and he is interested. You see the same interest that Holden has lost, because I think Holden has gotten into the real cases, right? Like, he mm-hmm, kind yeah. of, he got to talk to uh, Son of Sam, right? Um, mm-hmm. That he, He's like, hit the big time. And now it's almost like Holden's not getting enough out of it. And he's kind of move on to the more live case, um, active case type of thing that he can get maybe even a little bit of um, more of uh, publicity for or that kind of Holden feeling the golden boy. But Jim is really had he did all the research. Remember, he said, "How did you know yeah. about the candy?" Well, I was thinking about the shoes, and then I looked in the photo, and so it was really all about Jim, man. And the guy who plays uh, Pierce, Michael Flipowich, Philip Philopowich, if I pronounce his name right, I remember Doctor Galakowitz. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> He's been in a lot of stuff, man. He's had a he's had a long career going back, you know, 
to a long time, going back to the 90s. Uh, he was actually in FX, the series. Remember that movie FX? That was a great movie. Oh, yeah. Brian Brown. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it was just – it was interesting. It's been a while in this show that the people who are blowing you away – that it's not holding her tension to interview. So to have Jim step up like that and kind of take over both of these interviews and get the best parts of both of them was really yeah, interesting yeah. to me, you know, and it really kind of spoke more to where Holden's at. Yeah. You know, and with Holden, it, it's like, I mean, we've seen the evolution of him, but he's just the way he is mentally. This is just like, it's like, it's like he's doing cocaine and always chasing that first high yeah. or looking for a better mm-hmm. high. And, it, and it's just like this is just like smoking, you know, crappy weed, you know, for him. It's just like – I don't know why I threw drug references out there. But, um, it, yeah, it's just he's just like above this. His his mind, his intellect, his where he wants to be, this feels like a step back for him, not moving forward. And yeah, it's not even though Wendy wants it. Yeah. Hmm? And oh, I was just saying, and it's really not though, because Jim is able to find some real interesting stuff. And then when they get back, <laughs> right, they right. discuss it with Wendy. And even as a viewer, I was kind of like, I, I was watching again. I was like, come on, Holden, get in there. Like, you know, <laughs> get into the game, yeah. man. Like, this is interesting. You know, this guy is. He's he's doing all this weird stuff and, you know, with the languages. And there's definitely a pathology here that's kind of interesting and in why he's lying about one and not the other. And, and and the way, like you pointed out, the way that his attitude towards Jim just changes, you know, he kind of lets that yeah. go. And it's it makes you think, who is this guy? There's something behind there. I wanted more of Junior. Yeah, I kind of did too, especially the second time around. It's just very interesting. Um, all right, so let's let's go to the second interview before we hit the other uh, storyline. So, okay, so this interview with Hans, uh, I remember being so bored with it, Axel. Just like Holden, like I said, I was just like, what the heck? And then watching it now... I was listening more, and I'm like, oh, my God, this thing's hilarious. Like, <laughs> this guy, I mean, literally uh, has murdered these women, and but, like, he, uh, he, so he contacts the cops saying that, even though he's killed them, he's already saying that, oh, yeah, he knows about a kidnapping, so he wants to get ransom, even though, but then he leads them to the body. Um, it's just like this guy, it's just not very sad. The whole stationary and he even writes on the thing. I know I wrote this on army stationary. Don't look into it. Like it's really, I thought it was great, man, because it's an example of, he has the same pathology as so, as so many of these other killers. He just doesn't have the intellect. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That's exactly so, what I wrote down. Yeah. It's it's I, it's it's really interesting because he's kind of like the pure that pure um, need for contact with the police exists, but.
but he does not have the intellect to turn it into something. So he just makes it into, oh, I was trying to trick him. And then when Holman is like, okay, they didn't know she was missing. And also they didn't even know she existed. (laughs) There was was not even a record of this woman. Meaning if you had killed her and just walked away, no one would have ever asked a question about it. Yeah. But you wrote the police and then, you know, he was just, he was kind of taken out his, it didn't occur to me later um, until later, I should say, when they were talking with Wendy, that he was kind of taking out, like you, you pointed out, his like frustration on why they were there and why Wendy had sent them there, um, mm-hmm. kind of on this guy. But he was great. And then once again, Jim saves the day and really finds this correlation between running over the white woman, but... um like having to destroy physically the black women. And then the white woman was all, was also though a fellow officer. Right. And the way Mm -hmm. it was just, the whole thing was interesting. And then when they kept on saying to him, um, why did you pick these women? Well, they were around. They were around. Yeah. And then he said, what do you mean? They were around. They were around. They were local. (laughs) It was just very like that dialogue was awesome. Oh, yeah. And then with the forces of evil because he wanted them to look for white people. Yes. The forces of evil. The forces of evil. And so let's – before we go ahead to the rest of Atlanta, I think it's a good time to talk about the debrief at the FBI because it correlates with these interviews. Um so the, basically, when the, when Greg and Wendy and Bill and Holden are there, kind of listening to the tape, uh, the last interview, uh, and they're talking. So they're they're now figuring out. Okay, it wasn't. It's not just white or black. It's more that you know, like with the racial grouping, it's more of a. Uh, um, yeah, the dominant factor is not just the race. It's he he wasn't killing white or black. It was just because they were around. And so they f- start to focus on post-crime behaviors, like what happens after the murders. And I thought that was interesting uh, that they hit upon that. And then Greg shows up Bill a little bit with his Aristotle quote, which Wendy loved. You could see her reaction like, oh, my little my little boy starting to grow up. And it's just so it's interesting there where, you know, Holden doesn't even care. He's not care. Bill's kind of like, eh. And then Greg and Wendy are starting to see eye to eye more. So I found that interesting. Yeah. And especially after we, as we had discussed, Holden had kind of spoken ill of Greg to Jim. But we saw that last season too, that. Greg actually does have something to contribute when he's not snitching on everyone. Yeah, right. He's a snitch. But, uh, so at least they got something out of the interview. Thanks to Jim Barney, Jim Barney PI. I feel like that's an old 70s show. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of 70s show. So let's go back to Atlanta, Axel. So, uh, in between the interviews, Holden's staying at the Omni International for one night. 
He's checking in in this uh, hotel uh, agent, <laughs> uh, Tanya. Oh, you're a special agent, and then becomes very. Uh, how do how do we how do I put it? Um, she goes above and beyond to make sure he's comfortable, and so you're thinking. And the way Holden is like, wow, this lady really has a thing for. Her. Maybe she has a thing for a man with a badge, um, and she's really into him. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, if you don't like the room, you know, I'll get you another room. Uh, hey, uh, room service, more misses than hits. And then she comes back, knocks, and goes, I'll, in one hour, I'll take you out. And so Holden does his – it's so funny because Holden, it's the quick cutting of shower, cologne. Yes. He's getting ready. But then he puts on like the same suit. Like you think he's going to dress up differently. <laughs> but no, he comes out with like the same suit after all that. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, and that was great editing too. And the, with, the, with the sound too. The whoosh, 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 whoosh. Ah, yeah. You know, that was great. Uh, and then, you know, she takes him over to her car. That thing is about falling apart. And, of course, he's like, well, I was on on the road. The road's got seen worse, you know, being very nice. Um, so, you know, he thinks he's going to the best restaurant in the city, but they pull up to this diner that looks like it's closed. Uh, so he goes in there, and it turns out, you know, we have Cousin Ernie or Uncle Ernie, whatever, Cousin Ernie. Making them a plate. I love. I, you know what? Actually, I love. Always people say, "Can I make you a plate? I'll bring you over a plate." I just love that. I don't know if that's a southern thing. Yeah, but I just it is. you know a, a, a plate. Yeah, I just. Uh, it's just. I don't know. I just. I like that. One lady asked me that too. I was uh, at an event. Oh, can I get you a plate? And I'm like, Yeah, get me a plate. Oh, you gonna put stuff on it? <laughs> I'll have a plate. I'll have no, two. I just want a plate. But uh, so here and now we get it. It's. Uh, Three mothers where one uh, uh, child is missing, the other two are dead. Uh, they think there's a serial thing going on. Uh, they, you know, they're getting the runaround with cops. Yeah, the cases are opening, are still open. And because they're grouped together, they're not going to be cold. But, and, and they bring in this, Tanya brings in Agent Ford, and he's this young guy. And that's the, one of the first things. Wow, you're young. You can't have that much pull. And they basically blindside him with this big, uh, you know, book of of clips and everything about the case. And they really want someone to help them out because they feel these children are going missing and, and not enough's being done. Uh, and they have such, of course, an emotional attachment being their children and their community. And it's a really well done scene to interject this storyline. Because I wasn't sure how they were going to go about it, that things were happening, and then uh, you know maybe the FBI gets involved. But I love the way they set it up, and this actress who plays Tanya explaining things. She just carries this whole sequence. Uh, just she's phenomenal. She, uh, she's and, great. And I, There's such an energy oh, right from the when she, as soon yeah. as she finds out that he is an agent. That's why it was like. I remember watching and I was like, okay, she she likes him, right? That's what I was saying to myself. But then there was a definite perk when he showed the badges when it began. And then yes. there's like an energy. And she didn't want to give it back. And she was kind of pushing, you know, like pushing 
pushing. And then when she's in the room and she, you could feel that she wanted to. And then even when he comes out the door and she's like, come this way. She's like, we could get a car. Yeah. He's like, no, come this way. Come this way. Come on. And then they're, you know, they're driving, 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 trying to get there. And it's like she wants to get there in time to find these women or she's so excited because she wants someone to care about this. Um, great acting job. Her name's Sierra McLean. And then June Carroll plays Camilla Bell, uh, mm. the kind of who ends up being kind of the lead mother. And yeah, this is just man. He holding again, kind of playing the passenger watching everything listening like even at one point um <laughs> he says he's too young nobody's gonna listen to him and then holden just murmurs no one's gonna listen to me <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah meet right? joe black yeah meet joe black watch that movie kids you'll you'll find holden he just it. says it like he's like no one's gonna listen to me like and then but then he just persists he doesn't get upset he doesn't that was interesting. We had so much talk about his um, uh, anxiety, right? And that's how we started mm-hmm. this season and ended last season. And in this episode, it, a, a, a kind of an alternate uh, diagnosis, which is like uh, almost a lethargy he has inside the interviews. But in this, he is like, back to Holden. He's paying attention. He's listening. He goes to eat. And then the book comes out and he puts his, his fork down and pushes the plate. Great, great observation. I, I, cause I was about to that. And then when he, yeah, he's about to eat, he stops. And then when he sits over after the mother uh, is crying and she leaves and the other mother goes to console her like even when he moves like the plate and the knife or the fork Mm -hmm. that was already used he doesn't just push it over like most of us would do he you know he does it in an elegant way like a a very systematic way and then it's just those little subtleties uh just so amazing those little details sorry axel no i just wanted to commend you on your observation you could tell that he's drawn into it and then he does get drawn right into it right and and then we have oh, yeah. he, he and jim are sitting at breakfast and he's looking over it and then jim immediately is like okay wow holden and he's kind of warning him and really though we should mention that this all begins when they're leaving the second uh, interview and he sees all and they're driving through the town or driving through the city and he sees all the little children holding hands and yeah when they're going to the uh, when they're going to the hotel is the when hotel yes yeah. the, the 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 night in between yeah yeah and that really kind of the- opens his eyes what's going on here so right, yeah. that's what's kind of interesting him right now. And that's kind of how Holden is too. Like, And it's something that um, their new boss said, which is we kind of have to let him go in the directions that we, you know, like a horse, right? But we have to guide him, but we also have to kind of let him do his thing too. We can't totally... Because he's got such valuable instincts and he's just, mm-hmm. his instincts are heightened 
for this case and what's going on here. Um, and really, maybe it is more interesting than those two guys in jail. And maybe the better use would be for like Greg and Jim to be interviewing the guys in jail and Holden to be out on these cases that really get him going. You know, that's just yeah. kind of how yeah. he is. Yeah, because, I mean, you got Bill who's distracted at home. you got Holden now that's really concerned and wants to get into this case. Yeah, so it almost seems like the changing of the guard will get you more help yep. and have other people do other things. Um, so they go uh, – so Jim wants to give Holden a, a perspective of what's going on. So they go see a semi-retired cop, uh, Garland, uh, play – I forget the actor's name, but he's in – you know, the dad from The Killing and he was in Justify. He's been in everything. Uh, really great actor. Um, is You know, he's – uh, doing some surveillance on some rednecks at a bar, and he basically breaks it down. He goes through, like, okay, these mos aren't the same; these could be linked, and we get the if. And he just is unfortunately, he's just like the way things are. You know, they want to. The mayor wants to build Atlanta up, and it's white dollars coming in, uh, and. If we if there's a big outcry that there's murders going on, it'll hurt the economy and will go against what they're trying to build in Atlanta, which is sad. And, and of course, he says, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to need more bodies in order yep. for us to get more information. And, and it's just like he breaks it down in such a way that you're like, no, no, like because we know what's going. I mean, I, like I know what's going to happen. I know what's going on with the case in real life so i'm like no no but it's understandable where they're at he breaks it down but he does it in not like you know uh, i don't give a shit way he really breaks it down for holden listen this is how it works down here this is how where we're at and it, and it's sad too because when holden conveys the same information he got from garland to tanya at the hotel and she's so disappointed and that he's leaving and uh, i mean she's just like we've heard this before you know and it's like what 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 new thing are you doing to help us and it, it, it's very sad that holden ends up going that way but he ha really has no choice he can't he can only do so much not living in atlanta yeah yeah, he has to figure out a way into this case as they've done before, right? Yeah, and, right. And they will. And uh, the actor's name, I looked up, Brent Sexton. Brent Sexton. Yeah, yep. he's great. Yep. You're right. I mean, and again, fantastic casting. As soon as, you, as soon as they see this guy, you know who he is, right? Like he's that character. And you're absolutely right. The way he explains it is he's honest. He's like, look, yeah. there are, there's racial issues we're talking about. There's economic issues. There's political issues. Um, this is a, and plus past all that, if you look at the number of cases, the number of murders of children, I can give explanations for this, this, this. And, and then when they're leaving, what makes it even better is he's like, you could be right. You know, he yeah. kind of says to him, you could be right. This could be all connected. But at this point, we need, like you said, we need more bodies. 
And um, there was just such a great scene because you, the way they set it up that he was spying on the KKK, you know, they kind of set him Mm -hmm. up as a sympathetic person, Uh, even though he's like the old, he could, could represent the establishment, an older white detective in Atlanta, right? A a rapidly changing. And that's what I was expecting. Yeah. Axel, you're, and, and, you're, the other and you're supposed to, yes, you're supposed to expect that yep. like, oh, this guy's just going to really, but he, he does it in a way where, listen, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just telling you how it is, but he does it in a nice, you know, in a good way, not, uh, where you're like, oh, this guy's just a jerk. He just wants to finish and, and go drink. Yeah. And um, then maybe that's why though, Jim brought Holden to him. It was Jim's idea yes. to go see him because he wanted like Holden to be like, okay, Sympathetic white guy, talk to other sympathetic white guy who, though, has a different opinion than you. You know what I mean? Who you can kind of trust him that he's not coming from like a racist perspective, but he's not going to agree with you right away that this is one person committing all of these crimes. This is kind of a bigger issue, Um, but it's worth maybe looking into and... Obviously, we're going to see more of it. It's going to be we'll have to decide that, too, uh, as we go forward. But that scene was, yeah, that was really fantastic, man. And also, Jim, again, he's a listener like uh, Holden. He's just kind of listening and he doesn't really intervene in their conversation. You know, just at one point, he kind of steps forward and kind of does a little vouching. But that was great. But Holden, too. Like you said in the in the when he has to talk to Tanya again, he feels bad about it and she gets frustrated, but I don't think Holden really isn't throwing shade on her or anything. He's being up front. Yeah. Yeah, no he is. And it, it, it's it's unfortunate. That's not what she wanted to hear, but you know, he was convinced by Garland and it but at the same time, you wish he could do more, but you just can't at this point. Yeah, he'll uh, find his way in. He'll find his way. And the only last thing I have, Axel, is Wendy goes back to the bar and gets a date, not yeah. a tour guide, with the bartender. I'm like, because Wendy, she's frustrated with Bill and Holden because they're just on, you know, different. They were in a on a different path. Greg is kind of like seems could be her new like okay you 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 getting it and she just you know she's t- taking a bath and you got the candles lit and she's just kind of in a transition point because she was in a long term relationship she moved to for you know basically a new career in in a sense and she's trying to find her way and uh, we know she was attracted to the bartender and now she's just going for it uh, and uh, so we'll see what happens there. Maybe they'll go on a date, Axel. Yeah, there's some good music. What song was, uh, there was a nice song playing, uh, too. It's uh, it's The Pretenders. Yes. Um, it's not Brass and Pocket, I don't think. It's the other one. I'm special. Uh, Ooh, special. 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 Yeah. I got to have some attention. Give it to me. And then it did, and also, kudos to the sound design, because they, they like to do this, too where the music goes from playing in the background, then they 
they smash cut Boom. to the credits and then it's playing in the foreground. Yeah, I love over. that. I love that too. Yeah, this was oh, a I great episode, man. A lot going on. And I like that they include this stuff with Wendy. I know that there are some people who think like, you know, like we found more meaning in the cat thing. Um, and I think this aspect too of showing kind of a healthy representation of her sexuality is something that I like that the show does. And I mean, that's also just cause I love Anna Torv and anything, any scene she's in, I'm interested in what's happening. Yeah, no, I like that. And I look forward to seeing, uh, potential relationship, uh, what happens with them. So I think, I think, I think it's a great storyline. Um, so yeah, Axel, that's all I have from the road school files. Um, Anything you want to add before we close out the episode? No, man. It was uh, it was a great episode. I'm looking forward to moving forward with more hunting minds, holding intent, getting into it. Jim, Atlanta. Let's see what happens. We're on the case, baby. That's right, baby. So thanks for listening. And remember, you know, give us an iTunes review. Uh, just you know, click on those star things and leave us a few sentences. It just helps us out a lot. And go to patreon.com slash DVR if you want to become exclusive part of our community. Or go to DVRpodcasts.com and check out some of the other stuff we do. And so, Axel, I've been trying to – I can't pronounce this word, but I'm going to spell it for you. H-Y-P-O-T-H-Y-O-I-D. I-S-M. English. <laughs> Libyan. Libyan. <laughs> Russian. Spanish. Italian. <laughs> okay. We'll see you next time on Daily DVR Does Mindhunter. Baby. Peace. All right. That was a great one, man.